Support for this podcast comes from the patrons at patreon.com slash Serlin. Welcome to Serlin on Game Design, Episode 3, Uneven Playfields. I'm here with my co-host, Aphotix. Hey, how's it going today, Serlin? Hey, good. We have a big episode today, huh? Yeah, I'm very excited to get into this. Yeah, I think it's going to be one of our most popular ones because it'll be controversial, strangely controversial. This concept of uneven playfields is, in my opinion, the biggest issue in all of competitive games. Would you agree? <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, as sad as it is to say, I have to agree. Yeah, it is. It's sad. I'm reminded of Al Gore's phrase in Inconvenient Truth, where he talks about global warming and how it's inconvenient that we have to care about it. It reminds me of this whole uneven playfield thing in competitive games. It's inconvenient for us to have to care about that. And yet it keeps coming up more and more and more over time. So it's a really big issue. So I want to get into it and start really basic and then add kind of more points and more layers as we go. So the most basic fundamental statement I could say is that competitive games should be fair. Yeah, I would <laughs> I would consider that a given, but... Yeah, you'd think so. And yet we are actually in the minority on this, amazingly. The alternative would be that they should not be fair or that they don't have to be fair. And those sound kind of crazy when you put it like that. But we're going to get to some examples where that's kind of the common view about some games. So why do you think competitive games should be fair? Well, competitive games need to be fair. Otherwise, you're not actually testing people's ability to win in a genuine way. If mm-hmm. I have access to something that's more powerful than you have access to, then you could be a better player and still lose, and you had no control over that. So mm-hmm. the question becomes, what are we actually even testing if the playing field isn't fair? Pretty much nothing is the answer. Yeah. Here's a tougher question, though. This is a little challenging to answer. Let's say some company or some person wanted to make a competitive game, and they say, well, our competitive game isn't fair. It's it's not just a test of who's better at the game. Like, it's okay if someone paid more and, and they win more. So why do we care that they're doing that? Can't, can't they just do whatever they want? And who are we to judge? Well, the problem I have with that personally is that it's teaching people that play that game the wrong lessons. If you are taught that you're entitled to win more because you spent more money or you spent more time on the game and not that you deserve to win more because you're better at it, then I think that's a very damaging lesson for people to learn, especially if you're younger and, you know, maybe this is the first game you're playing competitively. That can really uh, give you a bad perspective on things. Yeah, I think that's the right type of response to give to that. And I'm reminded a little bit of Anita Sarkeesian's argument. I know she's a very controversial figure and I don't want to get into her kind of controversy, but there's just a type of this, a structural type of argument that she makes. that's really familiar to what we're talking about. Someone might ask her that same kind of question. What if somebody wanted to make a film that was from a male perspective and it had all men in it? And she talks about feminist issues. So is she cornered into saying no one can make that movie? If she were here, I don't think she'd say that. I think she'd say if someone wants to make the Shawshank Redemption, which is a great movie with a cast of all men, that's not inherently bad in a vacuum. But the thing is that 
you have to take into account what's going on in our culture. And so in her arguments, she shows like, let's look at the top 10 movies from this year and the year before and the year before. And look how every single one of them is from a male perspective and that they don't pass the Bechdel test where one there's a scene where one woman talks to another woman about something other than a man's relationship for 30 seconds. Like if every single movie fails that, that's just really extreme of a situation in the culture. And then it becomes a question of like, what is going on in our culture that it's so skewed one way. And that's what I feel like is happening in competitive games. So it's not so much about in a vacuum, can some game somewhere be pay to win or, or unfair for a different reason. It's that the standard thing going on in basically, I don't, I don't want to say all, but the majority of the big popular competitive games is to have an uneven play field and it's really troubling. So that's why <laughs> to me and to touch on something else you said, like what if it's your first game and what kind of experience do you have and what lessons are you learning? So I grew up playing fighting games, which are totally even play fields. Like it doesn't matter what your race was or how much money you had or whatever. Like the, the player base was just very, culturally diverse and also diverse uh in classes like rich people poor people like just every kind of person was in in the scene it was really multicultural and it was impossible not to learn the lessons of a meritocracy if you were better at the game you did well that's all that mattered and i think that was a super valuable lesson for me to learn when i see things in our real world that aren't a meritocracy, that they're unfair for some reason. I'm just even more sensitive to it because I lived in a meritocracy of competitive games. So it's a really valuable thing that our culture had and it seems to be slipping away. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Okay, so let's talk about some objections that people have to what we're what we're saying. Okay, what if someone says that it's okay for a game to be unfair because it's unfair anyway in the first place i mean you're more skilled at the game and that's unfair <laughs> i've actually heard this argument many times like it's unfair that you are better at chess than me so it's you know there's it's uneven to begin with well sure but that kind of gets answered by my initial statement where it's not teaching you the right things if it's unfair because i've practiced more and i've gained more ability that is something that I can carry with me through life and use that same methodology to become a more productive person. Uh, but if my solution to things is to somehow have this innate advantage that has nothing to do with my ability, that doesn't correlate to anything and is pretty much useless. Yeah, I mean, I think the short answer is that a game is supposed a competitive game is supposed to be unfair along the dimension of skill. That's the entire point of it is that it's a test of your skill versus mine. So yes, of course. So it does not follow that because one player is more skilled than the other, that you should be able to bring in other out of game advantages. That doesn't follow at all. <laughs> you know, sure. like you're better at chess. Therefore I should start with a bunch of extra pieces or something like, no, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, another one that doesn't make sense. I've heard several times is the confusion about what pay to win means. So let's say that you bought Street Fighter, the game, and then I bought it and we played each other and we had a fair game 
And then someone else said, hey, it's not fair that I have to pay to buy this game. It's not an even play field. That just doesn't make sense to me, right? That would know, just be a misinterpretation of the issue. I have heard that as well. Um, generally, what we mean by pay to win is that by spending more money, usually an unbound amount of money, you can gain material advantages in the game. In this case, it's binary. You either have the game and then play on an even playing field or you don't have the game and then it's irrelevant. Yeah. And this is an important distinction. So that objection doesn't make any sense there, but let's change the example a little bit. Okay. Now in another game, uh, we'll use a theoretical version of Street Fighter where there's downloadable characters. Okay. So there's like, I mean, I'll just make up some numbers. Let's say the game had 20 characters and then you could buy an extra five characters uh, for a few dollars each. Now, is the game not fair anymore? No, the game is still fair because you still don't have a material advantage uh, in the sense that you still have access to the same things that I can have access to without having without, without any artificial barrier in the way. Yeah, well, yeah, it, it's because each character is intended to be fair. So if you have more of them, I mean, there is some advantage in counterpicking, but you're not necessarily getting more power. The system isn't really giving you more power than someone else if things are balanced right. So we're not really upset about that case. It's pretty straightforward. There's no tricks. I mean, you know what you're getting into. All that's saying is that the game really costs like $20 more than the initial price. Right. So let's adjust the example again. And now, instead of the things that we buy extra being full characters, the things that we buy extra are parts of characters, like moves that you can add on. So now we start out with a weak Blanca that's like level one, and then you can buy a roundhouse that's twice as good, <laughs> and so on and so on. And so you can play your Blanca versus anyone else's Blanca who has who knows what kind of enhancements. So what do we think about that? Well, the problem with once you add in different enhancements is that we're actually breaking the even playing field now where my Blanca is actually not the true correct level of power that Blanca is intended to have in the game or has the potential to have. So I'm playing a gimped version of a character essentially. And if I'm playing that against people who have full power characters, then we're not actually testing who's better at the game anymore, which is the fundamental argument for an even playing field. Yes, this example I just gave is the archetype of uneven playfield. It's exactly what we mean by uneven playfield. It's not just that I have Blanca and you have Chun-Li or something who are intended to be equal level in power. I have Blanca and you have Blanca and they're intended to be a different level of power by the nature of the system that you might have bought more enhancements than I did, or you might have grinded and played a lot of hours to unlock them, and I didn't. But either way, the power level is different, and it's not fair. Like, we started out saying, wouldn't it be bad if the game was unfair? And here it is, right here. This is it. But doesn't it sound familiar? Doesn't this sound like something that we see in a lot of games? This is, I'd say the majority of games use tactics like this, Normally to increase sales revenue. Yeah, let's come back to that point. Let me adjust the example a little bit more. Let's rate our Blanca's power on a scale of 1 to 100. So I can buy more points that I can put in my Blanca, or I could grind them and play a lot of hours to unlock the points, but it caps at 100 points. Okay, so if 
I have gotten to the 100 power level of Blanca and you've gotten there. We might have slightly different Blancas, but they are the same power level. So isn't it okay? Is the whole thing okay now because it is fair? No, because the fact that I still have the opportunity in the game to play an uneven game where my Blanca is stronger than some random person's Blanca means that we're still not having a genuine competition. Right. Like uh, Daigo is a famous fighting game player. and Imagine if Daigo has level 100 Blanca and you don't. It's like It just sounds ludicrous when you put it that way. Like he's the best in the world, so what does he need a more powerful character for than everyone else? And yet it's seen as totally normal in, in many games. Uh, well, let me ask again, this kind of the same question in a few different ways. So isn't it okay, the example we gave about the level 100 Blancas, when you and I are playing each other? Because we both have the same power level. So what if you and I just only ever played other people at that power level? Then it's okay? Well, I mean, first off, that's not realistic that we're only going to ever play people of that other power level. And even then, the fact that getting there, there was uneven playing field along the way still means that it's not okay. Right. It was all along the way. So there's a lot of arguments people give about why that situation is okay so maybe we should think about that what if along the way the matchmaking system ensures that when i have a level 20 blanca or something i'm only playing against other people with a level 20 blanca so now at every step along the way from the beginning until the end game when i get to level 100 it's always quote unquote fair so isn't that an even play field now with a good matchmaking system well the problem with that is that now, until I reach the max level, I'm actually not playing the game at all. I'm playing a weird, deformed version of the game. So really what that's doing is putting an artificial barrier uh, where I'm not playing the true game until I either put in a lot of extra money or a lot of extra time. And that's still teaching people the wrong lessons about competition. Right. I like to use chess as an example, just because chess is a game everyone's familiar with and it's kind of simple to think about. So imagine if we developed chess, if it wasn't a game that everyone knew about and was out there, like here's chess for the first time and you can only play it online on our servers and you start out with no bishops. You start out with no bishops and no rooks and as you level up, you get more pieces. So this is exactly the same example that we just talked about with the Blancas leveling up and it sounds ridiculous, right? And so some people might say, well, it's okay because you can't just be good at chess instantly. Anyway, it takes time to be good. So it's okay for there to be a forced grind where you have to play like a hundred hours and unlock each piece one by one, because then you'll learn the game. And I think that is a disingenuous argument is I, I think it, it doesn't make any sense to say that the reason to do that is so that you teach the game. Like if your goal was to teach people how to play chess, that's not what you would do. Right? I mean, the first thing you would do is not make it mandatory. If you wanted to have some kind of tutorial that introduces the pieces one by one, go for it. But the yeah. fact that it's mandatory means that it's no longer a tutorial or no longer a training thing. Now it's the game and it's a game that is temporary and not the game. It's not balanced. There's nothing good about it, really. You're just wasting my time. Yeah, strategies that would make sense in a lower power level don't make any sense once there's more pieces. Like, 
It's just a, it's a, a set of many different games, none of which are, quote unquote, the real game that you play at the end. So you were learning a lot of crazy wrong things. I do agree with you that if there was a tutorial optional mode where you unlocked things, that that could be interesting, potentially. And some players might want that. Usually I wouldn't because I would want to see the real game right away. I'm wondering why when we shift the example from chess to an actual video game that's popular, I mean, you could name any that you can think of. Why does it become less clear to most people? Like, why is the chess example, probably anyone would say it's ridiculous, but not competitive video games? Well, I think there's a few reasons for that. The first of which is something I seem to talk about a lot here is that people have played these games and enjoyed them and maybe are currently playing them. And automatically, when you say that there's a big fault in the game they enjoy, they take that as some sort of personal attack against them. Even though really we're, say, we're not saying anything about them and we're just making a criticism against the game. Additionally, a lot of these games use various obfuscation tricks and kind of meld things into other genres to make it seem like something that is familiar and was okay in some other game. But now that we're bringing it into a competitive game, it's not okay. Yeah, I think the obfuscation is a fair point there. The thing about chess is that we all know that it's on this board that's a certain size, that you've got eight pawns, that you've got eight other pieces. And so it's immediately ridiculous to think about playing it without all the pieces. But in a modern video game, with a bunch of characters and a bunch of moves. I mean, who knows what is the real game anyway? How many are there ahead of time? Not everybody knows what the full game is. So I think there's more room to get confused and more obfuscation going on. Another thing uh, to touch on something I mentioned earlier about what if I have a level 100 Blanca and you have a level 100 Blanca and we play each other. So isn't that fair? Don't we just have to not care about anything else? I've heard that specific argument so many times and it it's, takes the form of whatever the unfair thing is, it doesn't affect me. So isn't it okay? And I, I like to think of an example of, I mean, I know I'm going to get flack for mentioning this, but what if I had a country club and I didn't allow black people in there? Well, it doesn't affect me, so it's okay. Now, I'm not trying to say that the problems of racism are comparable to the problems of competitive games, but structurally, the argument is the same in both cases. It's There's something that is unfair, be it not allowing black people in for no reason at all, for no legitimate reason, or not having a fair competitive game for no legitimate reason, but then saying it's okay because it doesn't affect you. I mean, that's just, it's very selfish, I think. <laughs> Don't you want to be part of a community and part of a game that is fair, that is accepting to everyone and puts them on even footing? <laughs> Any comments on that? No, I think, I think you summed it up. Okay, let's talk about forced grinds a little bit. I mentioned the example earlier of what if you have to buy Street Fighter? So... Isn't that pay to win? Right? And that's kind of ridiculous. But let's alter the example a little bit. Now, the game is free. Okay, it's free. And anyone can play. And then people unlock more and more powers over time as they level up their Blanca. And then the developer considers, well, should we put in an option where you can just buy the full power character? Like just pay some money and then you have the level 100 Blanca. 
And what players often say is that that's bad because it would be pay to win if it were allowed. I've actually heard that. That's not theoretical. I've heard that exact statement from game developers who I will not name, but who have said that to me, that they didn't want to add that to their game because it would be seen as pay to win. Well, that would be a misunderstanding of what you typically mean by pay to win. Typically, pay to win is when there is some sort of structure within the the game where you're allowed to spend more money than everyone else, and that essentially makes you unbeatable to everyone else. So instead of becoming about the gameplay, it's about who has more money to spend on the game. That's really what pay to win is about. Yeah, the key to this example is that there is a cap. So it's really not paying to win. It's paying to just play the regular game. Right. The real game in our example takes place when everyone has level 100 Blanca. So it's paying to be able to play that. And it is an improvement to offer that rather than a drawback. So it's 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 still... it's It's scary that that would be seen as a negative when it's an improvement. Uh, but go, go on with your comment. It is an improvement, but it still has uneven playing field for the people that don't choose to pay. So it's still bad, but it's better than if you don't have that option. Yeah, that's right. So it still is an uneven play field. And we should be sad about that. But it would be nice to at least have that option. I, I think the problem there that people have is there's a time versus money thing where some people are spending their time to get to the level 100 Blanca. Other people are spending their money and each side kind of thinks the other should be invalid. Like the people that don't have much money are upset that you could pay to get any sort of quote unquote advantage. I mean, I think that's what it stems from, but right. um, And that's, uh, that's true. And the way to solve that is to not have uneven playing field in your game. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Though this does show us some explanation of how this has happened. So let's say the, person without much money complains and they say, well, you shouldn't be able to pay to, you know, get a full power character. But then the other way around, like to try to be inclusive to both sides, if you want to be inclusive to the no money person and you give them a grind, then you just added uneven play field. Like, I I think it's, this stems from let's try to get people with money and without money to all play. And then the immediate consequence is that it becomes unfair. (laughs) Right. Okay. Let's, let's add another example. Now, what about if the things that you're able to buy are random? Here's kind of a weird example. What if we go back to the downloadable characters in street fighter example, this is hypothetical. It's not how street fighter works, but you buy street fighter. It comes with 20 characters and then you could buy a booster pack of extra characters. And who knows which extra ones you'll get. So what do we think about that? Is it fair? Is it an even play field? Well, I mean, it's important to differentiate whether the characters come as complete characters or not intended to be balanced. They do in my example here. Okay, so your example. So in your example, the issue there is price obfuscation. But the game still is an even playing field because you don't have more power than me, regardless of which characters you have. But instead, now I don't actually know the cost of the game anymore if I want to own every character. And that's a whole separate issue. Yeah, it is a separate issue. So we don't really have any objection to the power level, like unfairness going on here. It's it's separate issues of shouldn't you be able to choose which character you want to play? 
shouldn't you be able to directly buy them? I mean, it just feels like some kind of basic right or something. And then even if you disagreed with that point, uh, yeah, it's definitely price obfuscation. And uh, what I like to compare there is imagine a game that did that and a game that didn't. And the game that does it is really able to generate more money. You know, people seem to be willing to go in for a lower purchase price of a random set of things that might contain something they want than they would have for a higher purchase point to get absolutely everything. Oh, that's absolutely true. There's no doubt. Yeah, there is no, I mean, there's no doubt it's happened over and over and all across the market. So people are paying what they're kind of voting with their dollars to make that more and more prevalent. Okay. So that one, it, it wasn't uneven playing field. But now what if we adjust it and instead of being full characters, it was parts of characters or cards like parts of decks. Right. Now we're back. Now we're back to uneven playing field because now I can have something. I can have a character that is objectively weaker than someone else's character, which violates the rule of an even playing field. Yeah. So how would you fix that? Like, what can you do in a card game to be fair? Well, if you like, I know a lot of people like to have their card games be customizable and allow them to build their own decks and be creative. And I think that's really cool. And I think that is something that should exist. The best way I can think of to do it would be to release large sets of cards that you can customize the deck out of, but you get all of them at once. So that way we have access to the same thing. I don't have access to something more powerful than you have access to. Yeah, you have non-random access to any gameplay relevant element. That's what I like to, that's how I like to phrase it. Sure. Yeah. So the idea that you can customize things is actually totally disconnected from the idea that you have to buy them in a random format. I've heard the argument several times that because the limited formats like draft involve opening random booster packs, that that means it's okay that the entire game is sold that way. But I don't think that logically follows at all. I, think I mean, you could just as easily do that with non-random sets and then just shuffle them up and do the same thing. Yeah, there's two problems there. One is that if you want to play a limited format such as draft, you don't need there to be booster packs at all in the first place. Cube draft is a thing. Like, it's not necessary. It's a way to make a lot of money for the company selling it to you, but you don't actually need that to play. The second problem is that even if you really did need to open booster packs every time you played, even then, there's no reason why you should have to use that method to play constructed where you're building your own deck. That's like a totally separate issue. So, you know, even if there was a product where you could buy a random set of cards to use in one mode, it doesn't preclude the buying just whatever cards you want in another mode. It's, sort of, it's just totally artificial that you would restrict players from from getting the cards they want. And all it does is promote uneven play field. Like, I think you and I want to do the opposite of that. If we had a card game that you could buy a bunch of different cards for, we'd want to bend over backwards to make sure that players could get any card they want as easily as possible, not as hard as possible. Right. It's not even about any given card. It's that you need to really be able to own all of the cards or, you know, all of a set or whatever it might be. Because even if, we, even if uh, collectible card games sold their cards individually, 
that still is going to open up uneven playing fields. You know, assuming that, you know, the really good cards cost more money. Well, I don't have the money to spend on those, but I still like the game. So I'm going to play with these weaker cards. And now we're still playing on an uneven playing field. Uh, well, I don't know about that. I mean, if I could buy the cards necessary for one pretty good deck, then I don't necessarily need all the other cards for another deck, right? Well, sure, but I'm saying that you're opening the opportunity where if I don't own everything, I have the chance to play something that's more underpowered, not because I want to, but because I don't have, I physically do not own the things on your power level. Yeah, I think it's a, it's just another price obfuscation thing that maybe is going on here. Because, I mean, if I told you that, well, I don't know if this might be a separate issue, but if I told you that this deck costs $500 and I put that in a store, like in a little cardboard box next to other games like Flux that cost $10, and I said, but this set of 75 pieces of cardboard, it costs $500, I think it would be ridiculous. Like I, uh, Sure. I mean, yes, that is it, absurd. I, it just wouldn't fly. And if the company making it put out a flyer that said, okay, next season, here's the, here's the set of six new decks we're coming out with and each of them cost $500. Like it, it would, the whole thing is just so ludicrous. It would never happen. But when you do functionally the same thing, but sell booster packs and then allow the secondary market to sell the singles and it really ends up being the $500 thing. It, it, somehow psychologically that that goes over well yeah it works what do you think about the argument that the secondary market excuses the whole problem like you can buy any card you want from the secondary market therefore it's okay if the company that produces the game only sells it in a random way with artificial rarities well that doesn't solve it at all because you're still going to have uneven playing field and you're still teaching people the wrong lessons and I mean it's just not a response to it at all basically <laughs> Well, I think it's a response to part of it because the phrasing I used earlier is that in a legitimate competitive game, the players need to have immediate non-random access to any gameplay element that's relevant. And you don't when it's buying stuff in random packs, but you do if it's buying a single from a, a third-party vendor. Well, sure, but I guess my issue is that why can't you buy the game from the people who made it on an even playing field? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's just a sort of shady misdirection or something. Is it, it's really just a way to say we want to do price obfuscation so badly that that's just how it is. And, you know, wave our hands and look, you can buy singles somewhere else. I don't know. It's, it's not compelling of an argument to me. <laughs> no, I would. I mean, if your game in order to be fair requires me to buy it from people other than the people who make it and distribute it there's something wrong. <laughs> yeah. Support for this podcast comes from patrons like you at patreon.com slash Serlin. You can become a patron and support the development of more finely tuned Serlin games, as well as more content on this podcast. And if you do, you get access to a sneak peek at art that's in development and playtest materials for upcoming games. You also get access to a special second podcast where you can hear behind the scenes of how we actually solve design problems. That's patreon.com slash Serlin. So why don't we talk about some specific games and get people really mad, even though we're not trying to? Well, I mean, the one I would say that I know the most about would be League of Legends, if you want to start there. Sure, League of Legends. So I think that's a good place to start because 
at one point at least, League of Legends was the most played game in the world. I saw some right. st stats that supported that. And yet it is an uneven playing field. So that's really, really tragic. So what is uneven about League of Legends? Well, League of Legends is possibly the prime example, not only because of its popularity, but because it has all of these problems. Basically, every single one that we talked about so far. Firstly, it has uh, forced grinds, where regardless of whether you, you pay money or not, you still are forced to play weaker versions of characters, which is causing you to learn a unbalanced and untuned and basically fake version of the game. Oh, but you can't, you can't be good at, a, at the game right away anyway, so it's okay. No, Right, we already covered yeah, that. Yeah, that's wrong. Okay. That is yeah. wrong. Right, so you have a, your underpowered character that you unlock more and more power over time, and then there's a matchmaking system, but we've already talked about how that doesn't really excuse the problem either. Right, and then you also have different customizability options, even outside of the force grind, that you also cannot buy. So even once you've passed the first wave of force grind, which would be leveling your, your account. Now there's a second level of force grind with the runes system, if you're familiar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where now you get a currency by playing games that you cannot buy, where you can spend that currency in order to further your character stats outside of the game. And there's a bunch of different combinations you can use, and it would take a ludicrous amount of time to unlock all of them. So now... Even once you pass the first wave of force grind, now there's a second wave of force grind to unlock these ruins, which can be really specific and you can need a whole lot of them in order to play competitively. And if you're not playing with those specific runes, you're actually playing a gimped version of the character. Yeah, I see. So would you say that it's not pay to win in any way, though? Like of all its problems, that's not it. No, it is not pay to win at all despite its other issues. Earlier, we made a distinction where in the example with the Blanca that could be leveled up to be more and more powerful, if the maximum power level of all Blancas is 100, then that ultimately settles down to an even play field, sort of. The if your game has a cap in how strong you can be, then ultimately it's not pay to win. It's just a matter of how much does your game actually cost to play the real game. Right, right. So the thing I'm trying to say is that imagine in that Blanca game, if we s suddenly said, okay, now you can buy, now you can buy stuff. So now you can buy the level 100 Blanca. Then we compare that to a different game that did not cap at level 100. It was unbounded. You could just spend any amount of money to continue to get arbitrarily high level powerful Blancas. Now that would be pay to win. Right. Now it's pay to win because now if I have more money to spend, I can get to a point where you could not possibly beat me or I have an absurd advantage and it's not because of my skill or anything else. It's just because I had more money to spend and then yeah. we're not, we're not in a competition anymore. So the reason I brought that distinction up is that in the case of league of legends, if tomorrow they said, okay, now you can buy a max level character, then this would make the situation better and not worse. It wouldn't be like making the game pay to win. It would be giving you a way to buy the actual game, whereas currently there is no possible way to buy the actual game. Right, that is exactly right. And yet, if you suggested what I just suggested, probably lots of players would protest and say that the, it would be competitively worse and it would be pay to win if they allowed you to buy the full characters. Right, which is totally wrong. And also, there's an extra level of irony because how we were talking about in the trading card game market, it's seen as a good thing that the secondary market exists. 
But in a game like League of Legends, the secondary market to buy accounts is seen as taboo, even though it's pretty much the exact same idea. <laughs> yeah, League of Legends is especially tragic because it's so popular. So what that says to me is that it's really done more damage to the mindshare of what competitive games mean than any other game. Like some people would say, well, League of Legends has really helped esports a lot and it's held big tournaments and it's made new headway. And I would agree that it has many positive qualities like that. All things being equal, I'd say I'm happy about esports becoming more of a thing. I really like the idea that mental sports could become more popular or as popular as physical sports. But all things are not equal. League of Legends is not just any game. It's a game that is contrary to even play fields. It's a game that is really expressing the values that are contrary to the spirit of competition. And so it is really troubling that that's the game that made this headway. I would have preferred some other actually fair game had made that sort of headway. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And just to emphasize uh, David's point here, we're not saying everything about League of Legends is bad. As he pointed out, it made a lot of great headway in making esports more popular. That's awesome. Also, a lot of the design elements of League of Legends are actually really good. The problem we have is that it's promoting an uneven playing field, and that is more destructive in the long run, especially to the next generation of gamers, and is causing more harm than it's doing good. Right. So if I were a player of League of Legends and I really liked it, I would say this game is fun and has so many good elements and I wish that it would be more responsible and express better competitive values. And there should be a way to have immediate non-random access to full powered characters because it's really, frankly, a fraudulent competitive game if it does not offer that. Uh, and th that the best players of the game are all playing at the capped level is not an adequate response to that. It's just not good enough. So I wish that that were a commonly held belief. If it were just totally widespread, that uneven play field was just a ridiculous absurdity and affront to competition. If everyone thought that, then people who make games wouldn't be doing it anymore. Uh, let's move on to another example. Hearthstone has got to be the next one we sure. talk about. So Hearthstone is very tragic to me because it comes from Blizzard. Blizzard, the makers of StarCraft, which is an eSport game that is completely even playfield. And Warcraft 3 also was another great even playfield game. Yeah, I think it's that StarCraft in particular just has such a legacy. Oh, like yeah, it, absolutely. That it was so huge in Korea and even here. And it was really kind of a banner eSport game for many years. Uh, and it's fair. I mean, you you pick a race. I pick a race. We reach equal power level. Like it would be totally absurd to think that I could have extra units that you don't have. Like my Zerg has a bunch of more powerful guys or something or my right, or my or my probes more, uh, mine minerals faster or something. Yeah, it's it's totally nuts. So that's that's the game that Blizzard made. And then I would hold them to kind of a higher standard rather than a lower standard when it comes to competitive games. Like they're like a, the leader. They should be a thought leader in this. Right. Absolutely. And, and then they released Hearthstone, which has two modes. One mode, it really is even play field, right? The draft mode, the yes. arena mode. 
Yes. Yeah, every, everyone has uh, equal access to things. And then the other mode is not. And if you, you have, if you spent more money or you grinded longer, then you have a material advantage over other people. So it's exactly the wrong thing. It's exactly what uneven play field is. Right. And just to quickly clarify, it is uneven play field, but this is another example of a game that is not pay to win because there is a limit how much you can spend. So it's uneven playing field, but not pay to win. Because I, I know that's a confusing concept, I think, to a lot of people. Yeah, I think that is worth pointing out. So some people have said, well, most people just say they don't care and whatever, <laughs> which is sad because I think that uh, that it has an uneven play field mode is enough reason to reject the entire game just auto just automatically. But anyway, some people say, OK, I'm actually with you that that's bad, but it's OK because it has this fair mode, it has this arena mode and I only play the arena mode. And to me that I understand what they're saying, but it, it reminds me of the earlier argument of, well, I have a level hundred Blanca. And so this problem doesn't affect me or, you know, I have a country club and I don't allow black people and I'm not right. black. It's, so it's the same argument. It's the same argument. See, the thing is that those modes are related. Like they're two different game modes, but in the arena mode, the pricing is only what it is because the other mode exists. If right. you weren't able to take the cards from the arena mode, which is the fair mode and use them in the other mode, the, the, the pricing just wouldn't be what it is. So right. they're intertwined and supporting one really is condoning the whole game. So when I hear that argument of, well, I only play the fair mode, so it's okay. I think why are your standards so low? Like, why, why are you giving that a pass? I mean, I don't. And I would hope better from Blizzard. It's just really sad that so many competitive gamers see it as okay. That I, I wonder what's going on. If you remember, we started this whole episode with the claim that competitive games should be fair. And it sounded totally absurd to disagree with that. But what about Hearthstone? Hearthstone contains a blatantly unfair mode and is widely embraced by competitive gamers. Yeah, Um I think that one of the first reasons is that people naturally, instinctively like to feel more powerful as they play more and games with force grind give that to them. It fills that need to feel stronger and to gain more material power as you play, even though that goes contrary to uh, contrary to what makes a good competitive game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've tried to explain why this stuff is happening, which is a uh separate concept from thinking it's bad <laughs> but but yeah i agree that that's a lot of why it's happening because playing more and getting more powerful is fun and appealing to people i think it just feels right to most people and it's unfortunate that that's just the way human nature is uh, so what about any collectible card game magic the gathering for example i mean it has pretty much the exact same issues uh, it's slightly different where, you know, it does have this secondary market thing, but that's still not an actual answer to the, the criticisms. I mean, it's really so. the same issue as the uneven mode in Hearthstone. You right. can have yeah. the entire game is set up so that you can have a material advantage over other people because you spent more or traded more or whatever. It's kind of exacerbated by the extremely high cost of the game, which is obfuscated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one more thing about Hearthstone. I saw this quote today in a chat room, totally out of context. So I don't really know what it was from, but I believe it was from 
something from Blizzard's forums. And the quote says, as we stated, fair play is at the core of the Hearthstone experience and cheating and botting will not be tolerated. And I thought that was the most laughable statement. So they're trying to say that they don't want cheating to happen and that they don't want people to use bots to play. That's totally understandable. But to start that off by saying that fair play is at the core of the Hearthstone experience is just really totally missing the point on what fair play is about. Fair play it's is factually, it's factually wrong, really. <laughs> I just want to facepalm. I want Blizzard to do a better job. I don't it's not that I want Hearthstone to fail. It's that I want I want to look up the Blizzard and not be sad that they are contributing to competitive gaming problems. I totally agree. Was there another game that you were about to mention? Sure. Uh, another one that I played probably way more than I should have would be uh, World of Warcraft Arena. So uh -huh. World of Warcraft started out as just a cooperative PVE, play, which means player versus environment game where you're just killing bosses together and it's totally fine for everything to be uneven and for me to be stronger than you because we're all just working together. There's no competition involved. But then they added the arena mode to the game, which is strictly competitive player versus player. And all the same things where I can have better gear than you still exist. And that is totally detrimental to an even playing field if I can have better gear than you, especially because I might have gotten that better gear from doing things completely unrelated to even playing the player versus player. I mean, not that it would be excused if I got the better gear from only doing player versus player, but the problem is somehow even worse than that in World of Warcraft, or at least it was. They have made it slightly less bad to where now the uneven playing field only comes from me playing more versus player uh, than you do. But that's still really bad because they host tournaments for this game and it's meant to be taken seriously. And I will say firsthand that it is really fun and I really wish that they would make the even playing field version of that. Okay, I have two things to say about that. The first is I'm going to attempt to defend it. I'll surprise you a little bit. And then the second is I'll uh, kind of undermine everything I'm about to say. But first off, the entire game is about leveling up your character and getting slightly more powerful gear, right? That's just like the whole point sure. of, of everything. And sure. so there's, it's kind of natural to have that in the PVP mode. And then they try to minimize the badness by having matchmaking match you with skill plus gear so that they're attempting sure. to have a 50% win rate. So I understand why it's like that. But then the flip side is like, well, we just went on and on about how that's really just not acceptable. <laughs> and everyone's playing a different game and it's like fake competitive and, um, but the defense that I would try to give is to say, yeah, it's not legit. And it's analogous to someone saying they want to make the Shawshank Redemption movie in a feminist world. <laughs> not sure. every game needs to be fair, maybe. And if you were to pick one game that didn't have fair competition, probably an MMO would be the best possible one to pick because it's just entirely set up around not being fair. Right. One thing, though, I do want to add, sorry to cut you off. One thing I do want to add is that for a few periods of time, I don't know if they still continue this, but Blizzard actually addressed this problem and added something called the Tournament Realm to the game. Yes, that's this what was, I was going to bring up next. Oh, okay. Yeah, this, so the Tournament Realm, for those who are not familiar, is a temporary realm which comes up once per year, or at least it used to, I'm not sure if it still does, where you pay, I think it was $20, and now you can roll max level characters of any class, any race. And there's just vendors there with all the best gear. 
So it really is even playing field. There's customizability, but it's even playing field. You all have access to the absolute best gear in the game. And then they hold a six-week or eight-week tournament series, basically, where you figure out who the best players are. And then those players can qualify for the world championships. And that is A-plus amazing, and I wish that was around all the time. It would be perfect. Yeah, so the two things I was going to say to undermine my point are, first of all, it's not in a vacuum. Like, in maybe... I could understand why their PVP is unfair if we just looked at World of Warcraft. But when you take into the larger context that just every competitive game is failing at being fair, it just becomes even more sad. That, oh, there's another one by a huge company. And then second, that they actually did address it was incredible. And I was hoping they would move more and more towards that being like part of the normal game. Like you could just queue with full gear in a real competitive mode but it, it isn't part of a real game it's, it's which is very sad because i feel like they could do that very easily and even make like they if they made the tournament realm continually pop up and you have to keep paying more money to get on it i don't mind i understand you know their business they need you to support them that's fine just give me the option of an even playing field please yeah i want to go back to something we said before of how these things have happened you were saying that people like to level up and get more power and so systems that offer that have become dominant uh, i'm thinking about starcraft's ranking system so starcraft is a fair competitive game and they can't really say oh you won so we're going to give you like extra units for the next time but they do recognize that people want their numbers to go up and numbers don't go up for everybody in a fair ranking system you know if you played chess and your elo is I don't know, 1600, it's pretty hard to go up. You have to actually get better. Half the people will not, <laughs> right, right. by definition. Right. So StarCraft thought, how can we have it both ways? How can we have it fair, but give the perception that you do level up? And they have a really crazy ranking system that I think accomplishes that. It's basically that it's everybody's points go up, but if you're better, your points go up even more. Uh, because of the way their rest pool works. But the basic idea is that they give everyone the perception of progressing. And there's a whole bunch of tricks there too. Like another one is they show a leaderboard of just you and a hundred people. Like there could be a million people playing Starcraft. And if they showed your actual ranking, you'd be number like 952,000 or something. And you'd feel terrible, but they don't do that. They just show a hundred people. Okay. First they take all they take the entire bell curve of everybody playing and they chop it up into leagues. There were originally five leagues. There's more than that now. I don't I don't know the exact number like uh, diamond and platinum and so on. But let's say it's uh, six. So like one take one sixth of the million players or something. And then you're in that league. That's the, the zone of the bell curve of skill you're in. Then they randomly take 100 players out of the many hundreds of thousands that could be in there and they display you relative to just those 100 players. So you never feel like you're below 100, even though you could be the millionth worst player, millionth best player. So that's another trick. Um, and then your ranking points go up always, but if you're better, they'll go up more. And yet the underlying math, how that works is still fair. So they made an effort. And then another example would be Dota 2. Maybe you can talk more about that. The game is totally fair and even play field but they're trying to give some progression in the form of cosmetic items 
Right. So whenever you play, you have a chance of either finding cosmetic items directly or finding essentially crates, like loot crates that you could pay money to open up, which would give you cosmetic items. And all of these things are completely fine, even if it's totally random to get the cosmetic items and it's expensive. None of it impacts the playing field, which is completely even. So our objections to anything involving price obfuscation really do not apply to strictly cosmetics. You can right, do whatever you want. You with don't the need cosmetics. any of it. You could just buy none of it ever, and it's who cares? Right. So I think it's perfectly fine. And uh, the same system is used in Counter Strike Global Offensive, where you find weapon skins and you could find crates that might have really rare weapon skins in them. And those can be really expensive and they can be worth a lot of money. And that's totally fine because none of it impacts your ability to play the game at all. So we can see some developers trying to give the feeling of progression without breaking the fairness. And I applaud them for doing that. On the other hand, they seem to overall have kind of lost out. I mean, Dota 2 is doing very well, but Valve's a special case. If sure, you look, and they just, also control Counter-Strike, so it's still Valve, so it's still that special case. Right. So if you look at way more broadly, uh, the top money-making games on iOS or something, which are these fake competitive pay-to-win things, or League of Legends, or Hearthstone, or, or whatever. Facebook games. Facebook games are the same way. Just the whole landscape of competitive games. If you take this big, wide view, it's an overwhelming case of uneven play field has won and it's to the point where i think we've passed the tipping point so i don't actually personally even know what to do because the developers that tap into this uneven play field stuff are really able to make more money at it players are willing to spend more money and those games are more popular and rather than getting a stigma about the negatives they seem to get the opposite. They seem to get positive buzz. Like if someone like me tries to call them out, like I'm seen as the bad one or something. So at this point, I mean, should should we be making uneven play field games too? I don't believe so. I believe the best thing we can do is to make a podcast like this and talk to people about the fact that, hey, what you're supporting, even if it's really fun and, and it feels satisfying, Ultimately, it's causing harm to competitive gaming. And I can't speak for other people, but I know for me, competitive gaming is so important to me as a person. It would really suck to see it undermined by uneven playing fields. Yeah, I've done my best so far. So Yomi is completely fair. Everyone has a full-powered deck all the time. Codex is not released yet, but it's designed in a way that's much different than other customizable card games. And everyone is also at full power all the time. In that game too. And same with all my other games, Puzzle Strike, Pendante, Flash Duel. So I've done my part, but um, it's rough, <laughs> honestly. I, I wonder yeah, if it's worth it. It's just an unfortunate reality that you could probably make 10 times or 100 times or 1,000 times more money if you threw away your principles and just decided to make uneven playing field games and price obfuscated Codex and all this other stuff. Well, that's something to think about. I'll end on that note. <laughs> All right. Take care. Thanks for having me. Okay. Thanks. Bye. And now our special guest, Garcia 1000. Hi. 
Hi, everyone. I'm the special guest, Garcia1000. Hi, Selin. <laughs> yes, you are. You are very special. <laughs> oh, thank you. So uh, let's, uh, let's talk about uh, a Kingmaker and Collusion today. Okay, great. Those are things that I try to take out of my games and work very hard to remove. Right. So uh, just, just to make sure everyone's on the same page, uh, Kingmaker is, uh, is uh, it's usually seen in board games, uh, bad board games. It's where someone can't win. He has no chance of winning, but they can decide who wins. Right. They're so far behind, they're not going to win, but they could. They end up choosing who wins based on their move. And then the collusion was the other thing? Right. Collusion. That's when people, if they team up uh, outside of the game, they have a huge advantage compared to anyone who doesn't team up. Mm -hmm. So you and I are friends in real life and we play this board game together and maybe we just knock out all the other players because we double team them and team up. Yeah, yeah. Another common situation is where uh, two people are a couple and then they uh, they naturally pair up. So that gives them an advantage uh, uh, as well. Yeah, the collusion doesn't have to be evil or calculated or whatever. It can just sort of naturally happen between friends and we still want to minimize that if we can. Right, right. And so uh, these are these are bad concepts. But uh, what's strange is that uh, I have I have friends who play board games and they really they really love these kinds of games. <laughs> yeah, your friends like all the the bad properties of games. Yeah. Well, Did I guess uh, I guess it's more like they don't mind if these things exist, which is a which is a pretty strange, right? Because uh, these are clearly bad properties of a game. If, if well, you I, I've heard you talk design. about your friends before, and it sounds like it's more than just they they don't mind. Like, they actually like it? Or what if there's something where you could really screw over the other player? Don't they really like that too? Right, right. Uh, it's it's that uh, they they like that aspect of it. It's it's strange that uh, we think that it's bad, but they love it. And so, uh, <laughs> so in the spirit of... Uh, of research, I decided to find out more about why that happens. And oh, so, great! Uh, Did you interview yeah, them so, or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me let me share this with you. It's great. So, uh, so a few weeks ago, I was playing one of these board games uh, when we were, we went out yachting with my friends. Right? I forgot which <laughs> game it was. Uh, uh, it, it was a board game. It took it takes around one to two hours to play. It's uh, pretty tedious. Uh, a lot of rules. Um, it's a it's a it's Euro to, style board game. It's good to uh, fill the time on your yacht ride, though, right? You oh gotta, yeah, you yeah. Because, do something. Yeah, you know, uh, we 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 don't really like the sun because it makes our skin turn dark. So we usually stay inside on our yacht. And what's what's better than to play board games? Uh, so so uh, okay. what 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 we did is that we played this game. It's a it's a it's a pretty bad uh, Euro style board game. Uh, Euro style means that there's no a direct uh, interaction. You just sort of uh, place place a cow here and and put right. some stone here and and so on. So right. uh, so in the spirit of research, I asked them, you know, this game, uh, you know, I'm 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 losing right now, right? And I can decide who wins. How is how is that good? I mean, uh, like like Bob and Albert here. Whoever wins is decided by me. But I'm a loser. How uh, how come that's fine? And then, um, and then I also asked about, you know, uh, is it fair that if I if I collude with Bob, that we're basically certain to get first place and second place? And so, because um, 
because it seems bad, right? So I asked them, and then they they said, uh, you know, we, we think it's great. Uh, we we uh, sometimes when we're in the mood for these games, we like it more when they have these things. And yeah, you know, wh- why do they strange, like that right? though? Right. So uh, so I asked them, right, and they they told me um, they thought about it a bit, and they said, you know, Kingmaker and Collusion. These are these are about personal interactions, interactions with other people. And, you know, personal interaction is basically the point of life. You know, we're, we're on this earth where we interact with other people. You know, we, there's, uh, we compete with other people. So when we try to deny that these things exist, it's sort of like denying life itself. And who wants to do that? Um, you know, <laughs> but that, that's uh, the reason. Yeah. I mean, because it's, it's, it's true, an, it's, true to life. Yeah, it's it's basically an extension of real life. You know, in real life, uh, you know, uh, someone someone can be the kingmaker, and and you know, in real life, you have to accommodate them. And the same thing for collusion. You know, uh, the in, in, <laughs> yeah, like in Hong the... Kong, right? The, the 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 way to be successful in business is to uh, collude with the right people. So that's 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 also happening in real life, and so it's really. They really enjoy these types of things uh, in games as well. That's a nice burn on Hong Kong. But, you know, by this <laughs> so, by yeah. this logic, though, I mean there's a lot of things in real life that uh, are getting defined as good somehow. Like racism is a thing in real life, so shouldn't that be in the game too? You know well, that that's a good point, and uh, I didn't want to make my friends mad, so I didn't ask them. But <laughs> <laughs> but you thought of that, uh, I bet. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought so. So one thing I thought is, you know, uh, life is is not perfect, right? So uh, so uh, why would why would they like these things? But then uh, uh, from their perspective, uh, you know, they uh, they they benefit from you know uh, the. The, the being a let's say they benefit from being a kingmaker so uh, so maybe uh, let's say they're in politics right and they're the, the small uh, minority party the third party that can decide who who wins so if if they were in such a situation they'd really like kingmaker because you know kingmaker's great they, it gives them power so uh, in the game they like it too so uh, so we might think it's bad but from the perspective of the kingmaker or the colluder, these things are good, and so they like them. Well, is it that they just don't care very much about the game? Maybe it's all just a big joke. So who cares? Is that what's going well, on? Well, uh, they do no. care about the game, but it's not. It's not in the way of uh, someone who cares about the game as a test of competition. It's more that the game is a way to channel your your personality and a way to express yourself. So it's it's different from something like Yomi, where it's really clear that uh, we're two two people competing, and we're just testing our skills to see uh, who is the better player. It's more like it's a, uh, all of these games are multiplayer, right? It's more like a way of saying, oh, uh, I'm uh, a guy. Yeah, you're saying it's a kind of player expression. So in in games like Yomi, we try to give you player expression by having different characters that work differently. Some are more offensive, some are more defensive. So within the confines of the system, you're able to express yourself a bit. And maybe what you're saying here is your friends want to break out of the system and express themselves even more. (laughs) 
<laughs> by, right. they, by being kingmakers yeah. and so on. Do you think it would? Do you think their opinion would change if the stakes of the game just changed? Like, for example, if the winner had to, or if the losers, sorry, had to pay five hundred dollars, or maybe if the losers would all be killed. Like, would that? Would they have the same kind of opinion about well, kingmaker collusion? Well, you know, they're, they're pretty rich, so $500 probably wouldn't change their opinion. But if they, uh, the loser was killed, right? So uh, I think that would change their opinion. Uh, well, one thing is that uh, although they like these kinds of games, they're also a very competitive players, and they like competitive games too. So mm -hmm. it's not that they don't get the idea of competition. It's just that... Uh, it's just that they're looking for different things when they play these kinds of games. So uh, uh, you could say that they treat it less seriously, but maybe they treat it differently. So they, they don't see it as a game. They see it as primarily uh, a social interaction in a, in a rules-based system. So I think maybe that's why it's, ha it's harder for very competitive people to understand uh, why people like these kind of games, because essentially, they're approaching it with two different goals in mind. Two. So, what were the two goals? So, uh, the competitive player sees a game as as a way to uh, increase uh, their skills, mm -hmm. uh, mainly uh, self improvement, uh, testing yourself against the best players, and so on. Uh, whereas uh, these, the players of these games, they don't really see it as a test of skill. They see it more as a, as as a chance to to interact with other people in a friendly or in a jerky way uh, to sort of uh, express what they've what they feel so if if they hate uh, they hate some they hate Chris or someone right I mean, so they can king make and, and make Chris lose and then and then they feel really satisfied about that and then Chris is like oh shucks oh yeah. you got me yeah so here's another and, yeah. way of looking at it maybe tell me if this uh, does anything for you so there's yeah. this game called Dixit it's a tabletop game are you familiar oh, with that yeah, one oh yeah Dixit yeah yeah Dixit yeah there's like uh, pictures abstract pictures and you tell a quick story about the picture or say say something about the picture so that allows you to express yourself uh, oh, and yeah, there's yeah Yes, yeah, so, so that game would be very high on expressivity. There's someone on Board Game Geek who broke down the optimal way to play that game, and when you play it like super correctly competitively, it doesn't look like Dixit anymore. It, like you just say like bleep boop six five seven, like you just say random nonsense kind of things in a certain uh -huh. pattern. Like that's the correct thing to do. And there's a long explanation of why and all these probabilities. Uh, and so if some people are like mad at him and saying he doesn't understand the game, but actually he really likes the game a lot and he doesn't want to play that way. And what he said is that telling him not to do that stuff is sort of like saying, let's all have a race, but nobody run too fast. And he said, you know, what would make more sense is if you didn't say let's have a race because a race implies a winner and people should try hard in a race. You should say, let's all go jogging. And then you don't have to worry about like, the rules or who's doing things they shouldn't. So he's, he thinks that something like that should be an activity, not a game, just a thing that you do, an activity. So maybe your friends just like playing these games as an activity where they get, they get to do all sorts of fun things like collude and king Kingmaker. And it's not so much about competition or the results or, or that even there is a winner. Like maybe we could devise some other activity without winners that they would enjoy just as much. <laughs> 
yeah, yeah. that's that's a really good point uh, because uh, uh, we were we were playing a, we we actually did play Dixit uh, a few a few weeks ago uh, and uh, and what happened was that we we played it the the normal way with a drawing and we we never thought about this and and what I feel is that if if my friends knew of this way of playing they they probably all agree not to play that way uh, because uh, you're right they want to play it as an activity uh, and 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 scoring it doesn't really matter to them it's more as a it's more of a traditional thing you know games have to have scoring that's why they're scoring if if there wasn't scoring then then people for some reason they wouldn't pay, play it seriously but if there's points involved uh, then 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 people take it more seriously so i think it's more that they see uh, scoring and winners and losers as more of a way to keep uh, people uh, occupied and and entertained within the game they they don't really see uh, winning or losing as a as a as a as a sort of validation of of your skill or something like that mm. they just they just see it as as a way to keep everyone interested and a way to say you know afterwards while you're uh, we're, we're having a whiskey or whatever say oh you know uh, uh chris was re- is really great at that game you know chris is chris is, chris is good at board games uh, let me introduce you to my friend darren who's uh, who is also really good at board games so uh, it's 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 i i i think uh, that's a good point um these yeah, people this, uh, see it more as an activity than as a as a game. I think this distinction between game and activity is is an important idea. And the people from our forums and our community, they can't. And I mean, me included, we can't help but see things as a game when it's framed as a game. So if it falls mm-hmm. apart and the best way to play it is to say beep boop six five four or something, then that's. I mean, to us, it means the rules are sloppy. Uh, right, right, and, right. And so we want to fix the rules, and we want to make it so that if you play the hardest, it still is fun. But maybe right. a different way to go at it is just throw out the whole game thing and make some activities. <laughs> I mean, we've never yeah. tried that. Yeah, I, yeah. If if the if the rules are bad, it's it's like uh, if if you if you ordered a, 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 a an ice cream sundae and instead of fudge on the top, they they gave you a a, a gold bar. So you know you could you, you, you know you could say yeah. oh this gold bar no it's, it's tough on my teeth and and it doesn't taste good right but another thing you could do is just take the gold bar away uh, enjoy the sunday and and use the gold bar to buy something else so it's it's like okay if it's not a good game uh, maybe it can be a fun activity let's not let's not view it as a game then let's view yeah. it as a social activity so now that we've made this breakthrough of thinking of things as an activity and it's like the beginning of a whole new possible conversation we should just end right now yeah yeah that's yeah this is that a, leaves that's people wanting more so so yeah, thanks yeah. for uh, joining me today great thanks <laughs> all right take care bye <laughs>